Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our study of the epistles. We are beginning a brand new epistle, a brand new letter today, and actually we're beginning a brand new section of letters today. Today we are going to be doing an overview of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are a unique group of letters that we'll talk about in a minute called the pastoral epistles. Now, previously, we have seen what is called Paul's prison epistles. And they're called prison epistles because Paul wrote the letters to the churches in prison. Well, now we find pastoral epistles because Paul is not writing or addressing his letter to a specific church or congregation. He's addressing his letters to two men, Timothy and Titus, as pastors who are over churches. So this is unique because um, these are the first letters that we come to by the Apostle Paul who are written to individuals and not to churches, even though they have great meaning to the churches that these men are pastoring. So let's jump in. Uh, if you've uh, got a copy of your notes of 1 Timothy, we're going to give the overview of the 1 Timothy today. And then next session, we will do a uh, verse-by-verse or chapter-by-chapter uh, walk through through 1 Timothy. So the content of 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy overall is an indictment against some false teachers. Now we've seen this over and over again in Paul's letters, that one of the major threats to the early church was false teachers who were coming in, presumably from the outside, and were teaching the believers things contrary. When we talk about Galatians, there were Judaizers who were teaching the, the Galatian believers that in order to truly be saved, you must keep the Old Testament law. And Paul deals with those. We have seen false teachers in other letters as well. And here in 1 Timothy, we're going to see again that Paul is dealing with false teachers. So just like maybe Colossians with the Colossian heresy, uh, we're going to look at what kind of made up some of these false teachings and who were these false teachers and were they like the Judaizers? Did they come in the church from the outside? Uh, or, or, as we'll see here, I think, these false teachers were from the inside already in the church and began to spread false teaching through the church. So overall, 1 Timothy is an indictment against these false teachers and their false teachings. But not just their teachings is what is false, but also something that is false here is the character of the false teachers, their character as well. Uh, in this letter to 1 Timothy, Paul gives instructions on various community matters, um, interspersed with words of encouragement to Timothy as well. Historically, the letters of 1, 2 Timothy and Titus, the pastoral epistles, were often seen as maybe a church manual. You know, this is how you do church. This is a letter to a young pastor telling you how to set up your church and order your church because, you know, it gives qualifications of elders and deacons and things like this, um, which has been very helpful to many churches all throughout. And certainly um, there's much information to be gathered here that can apply overall to, you know, any church. However, we have to be careful that we don't miss the historical particulars of why this letter was written. And those historical particulars were these false teachers and who they were, 
who they were targeting, what they were teaching, and what Paul says to do about them. So that's some of the content, this indictment against the false teachers, as well as encouragement to Timothy as the pastor of the church. Of course, the Apostle Paul is the author of the church. Um, you know, many critical scholars uh, you know, dispute the authorship here, but you know, we take this as the Word of God. We take it as the Apostle Paul's letter. Uh, the date it was written was in 62 to 63 AD uh, from Macedonia, uh, probably Philippi or Thessalonica. Uh, and this is apparently written after Paul's expected release from imprisonment. If you remember in Philippians, Paul was in prison. He's expecting to be released. He doesn't know if he's going to be released, but he's expecting to be released. And this was probably written after his release. Of course, the recipient of the letter, again, is not to a, it's not addressed to a church, it's addressed to Timothy. So this, a pastoral epistle, along with 2 Timothy and Titus, was written to Timothy. Now, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Uh, he is a longtime companion of Paul. Uh, he's a younger companion of Paul, therefore Paul refers to him as a son in the faith. So this letter was written to Timothy. Timothy is the current pastor of the church at Ephesus. Now, this is very important because even though the letter was written to Timothy, and certainly it contains personal uh, words and personal encouragement, ultimately this would be a letter not just to Timothy, this would be a letter through Timothy that would be conveyed to the church as well. So really, Paul is in essence writing to the church through Timothy. And we'll see why he does that uh, in a moment. Again, these three letters, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, are a distinct group of letters called the uh, prison epistles. I mean, the pastoral epistles, I'm sorry. Uh, Timothy and Titus. What do we know about Timothy? Uh, along with being a, you know, a younger, a longtime companion of Paul, a son in the faith, uh, both Timothy and Titus were two of Paul's trusted companions and co-workers. Um, he left them with the responsibilities at the churches at Ephesus and at Crete. Uh, they're called the pastoral epistles because they are assumed to deal with matters pertaining to pastors. And Timothy and Titus become as kind of model pastors to churches all down throughout history. These letters are clearly more personal letters or more than personal letters, as they're intended for the Christian community as well. About Timothy specifically, Timothy joined Paul on his second missionary journey. You can find that in Acts chapter 16. He becomes Paul intimate, or Paul's intimate companion and his trusted friend. He collaborates in six earlier letters. Uh, Timothy is mentioned in 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, Philemon, and the book of Philippians. Uh, he was entrusted with three important missions. He was entrusted with a mission to the Thessalonica, to Corinth, and to Philippi. And he's now entrusted with his greatest responsibility to date, and that is taking Paul's very own place as the overseer, the leader, the pastor, if you will, of the church of Ephesus. With a very important and big task of rooting out this false teaching and the false teachers and to bring the church back to sound doctrine. So young Timothy has a big task 
ahead of him in taking Paul's, filling Paul's shoes and also rooting out the false teaching in the teachers and setting the church in order as well as setting sound doctrine back into the church. The occasion, the reason the letter was written, Paul has left Timothy in charge of a very difficult situation in the church at Ephesus where false teachers, uh, probably local elders in the church, are leading some house churches astray. Because in this time, churches didn't meet in buildings like we usually meet in, uh, but churches met as small communities in houses. So some of these house churches are being led astray by some of the elders who were ordained in the church, who would go to these house churches and oversee them and teach in them. Some within the community were embracing these, this false teaching and embracing these serious errors. Paul writes to the whole church through Timothy in order to strengthen Timothy's hand in stopping these straying elders. And some of the younger widows in the church uh, had been following them as well. So Paul is to speak directly to some of these widows in the church who had been following these false teaching elders. Some of the emphasis in the book of 1 Timothy is the truth of the gospel as God's mercy shown toward all people. Another emphasis is the character qualifications for church leadership. Other emphasis are the speculative teachings that are going on, the asceticism, the love of controversy, and the love of money, which would disqualify one from church leadership. Timothy, by holding fast to the gospel, should model genuine Christian character and leadership. So it's important because you have these false teachers who not only had false teaching, they also had false character. So to combat the false teaching and the false character of the false teachers, Paul is encouraging Timothy to teach sound doctrine, and model consistent good character. So how Timothy was to combat the false teaching and the false character was to have sound teaching and model good character. And that is Paul's words to Timothy. So we see all of these emphasis throughout the book of 1 Timothy. Some of the key verses of the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, As I urged you, when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. So 1 Timothy 1.3 is one of the key verses here in the book. I urge you to stay in Ephesus and command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Another key verse could be 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 which Paul says, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So part of this teaching is to teach those in the church how to conduct themselves in God's or as, as a part of God's household. You see on your paper here uh, the outline. Uh, it begins with a salutation in, verse, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. Uh, we have the first charged Timothy, which is the warning to the false teachers. In chapter 2, we have the uh, instructions on community matters. 
uh, persistent pray, a prayer and, prior, and propriety in worship. In chapter 3, we have the qualifications for church leaders, the overseers and the deacons. Also in chapter 3, going into chapter 4, we find the purpose of the letter. In chapter 4, we also see the renewed charge to Timothy. In chapter 5, going into chapter 6, uh, we find how to manage the household of God as pertaining to the widows and the elders. In chapter 6, or in chapter, uh, yeah, in chapter 6, uh, the majority of that chapter, we have the final indictment on the false teachers, how they should be fleeing falsehood and fighting for the faith. And then the final charge to Timothy and the final greeting to close out the letter. So we see primarily what is being dealt with here in 1 Timothy. Uh, it's encouragement to Timothy, who has a big, daunting task ahead of him. It's the warning of the false teachers. It's the setting uh, of the order in the church to bring them back to good, sound teaching and to deal with these who are causing the false teaching and also to those who are following this false teaching. On the back of our paper, we see the overview of 1 Timothy. Again, this letter fluctuates between words to the church through Timothy and words, personal words to Timothy himself. Although all of these words should ultimately be heard in the church. Uh, much of this letter points out the follies of the false teachers and their teaching. The words to Timothy charge him with regard to his duties and to encourage him and to strengthen his hand before all of the community to carry out these unpleasant duties that he has to do. Uh, this, this is not the fun work of a pastor, so that's why Paul's, or Timothy's mentor, Paul, is encouraging him. Uh, the rest of the letter deals with the community matters, which obviously have been influenced by the false teaching. So this false teaching has impacted every area of the church. So even areas that you know, may seem to be separate are really not because they've been influenced by this false teaching. These matters are the believers gathering for prayer and teaching, uh, the qualifications for church leaders, uh, caring for the older widows, and then urging the younger widows to marry. Then the attitude, then the attitude of uh, servants toward their masters. Despite many of the words directly personally to Timothy, this letter is all business, as made clear by a lack of both the ordinary thanksgiving and prayer reports that usually begins Paul's letters. And then the greetings uh, to and from uh, specific friends that usually conclude them. So again, what it's saying here is what we see missing is you know, you, Paul's usually long greeting and his prayer you know, for the church and and then, you know, you say hello to these people or, or hello from these people who are with me. We see those things in Paul's letters. We don't really see them here. Uh, Paul's letter, as is mentioned here on the paper, is all business. So what are some specific advice for reading 1 Timothy? Well, as you read 1 Timothy, note what Paul says about the false teachers and their teaching. Since concern about them appears to lie behind every word in this letter. There are good reasons to assume that these teachers were local elders. And this is really getting to some of the inside parts of this. Unlike Galatians, where you had Judaizers from outside the church 
coming in to influence the church. It seems that these false teachers were already elders or already deacons or overseers. They were already in the church and therefore had an inside route to the people in the church and these house churches to spread their false teaching, which this is the reason why Paul gives Timothy the qualifications of the elders. He's given them the qualifications because these people were already elders. So Paul is saying, hey, here's who elders are. Here's who these deacons are. Here's who these overseers are. Here's how, who they are supposed to be. Here's their character. These are the qualifications. So if any do not meet the qualifications, then they are not true elders. So there are good reasons to assume why these were local elders. And it lists three reasons here on your paper. First, unlike the other letters of Paul that dealt with false teachers, 1 Timothy gives no hint that these teachers were outsiders. There was no, there are some trying to come in and pervert the gospel. There's no hint that these false teachers were outsiders. Secondly, Paul has already excommunicated two of these false teachers from the church. In chapter 1, it mentions Hymenius and Alexander. They were clearly insiders in the church. And Paul says, I have excommunicated them from the church. And third, read Paul's address to the elders of the church in Acts chapter 20. So if we go back and read in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 35... We note this is five years earlier. Paul has predicted that this very thing would happen. That from among their own number, some would arise and distort the truth. So these three reasons lead us to conclude that these false teachers were already in and a part of the church. Again, Paul gives no hint that they are outsiders. Paul has already excommunicated two of them from the church and Paul had told them that this would happen among their very own leaders. So if you add in one other factor, and the factor that we also add in, that these elders have made some of the younger widows uh, and brought them under their influence. So these younger widows had opened their homes to these false teachers, and it had led these younger widows astray and they were in turn spreading the same words to others, we see all of the letter makes sense. Therefore, we can see that everything that is talked about in the letter falls right into place. And we can see clearly that these false teachers were in the church. These younger widows had led them into their homes because they knew them. They were trusted teachers, but yet they were being led astray. So there's four reasons that we can conclude this, or four factors that explain. Number one, it explains why Paul writes to Timothy and not to the church as a whole. In such cases, the letter would not get a hearing in the hands of these elders. That, that means if Paul had written to the church and the elders would have received this letter rebuking the elders the elders would not have read this letter to the church where Paul rebukes their very own leaders. 
So that would be a reason why Paul is writing to Timothy, and that Timothy would convey these words to the church as well. So Paul is authorizing Timothy before the church to see that these elders are replaced by people with the proper qualifications. That also explains why he gives careful instructions. Listen carefully. He gives careful instructions not about the duties of the elders. He doesn't say, here's what an elder does. Here's his job description. We don't find duties of the elders listed. We find qualifications of the elders listed. Not here's what elders do, but here's who elders are. Here's how they behave. Here is their character. So again, Paul is concerned with the character of the elders, not just here's what elders do in churches. So this leads us to believe that while this is, you know, obviously general characteristics that applies to every elder, Paul didn't write this as a church manual. He wrote this addressing specific issues. So he gives instructions not about the duties of the elders, but instructions about their character qualifications. This also explains why Paul gives such detailed instructions about caring for older widows while urging younger widows who some had already gone astray uh, you know, to marry. In other places, Paul's advice, say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, he gives different instructions to widows. But here he's giving instructions for younger widows to please go ahead and marry again. This is also why he forbids women from teaching in this setting. So he forbids, you know, the women to teach because it's many of the women that were being led astray and following this false teaching. So that's why he gives such detailed instructions about caring for older widows while urging younger ones to marry. By the way, he also says about these younger widows that some of them had already gone after Satan. They had already gone astray. So that's the reason why he uh, gives such detailed instructions this way. And then the fourth reason, or the first explanation, is although his primary concern is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that in chapter 1, verse 11. Paul doesn't talk a lot about the gospel in this letter. He gives little of its contents to the gospel because that's not Paul's major concern here. His major concern is dealing with the false teachers and them leading these widows astray and the instructions to Timothy to set the church in order, to live by example, and to bring sound teaching back to the church. So that's why so much is said about the nature of the false teaching because Paul is writing to Timothy, addressing that. Now, what about the content of the false teaching? If you remember in Colossians, we were able to kind of piece together what this teaching was. Well, we have to do the same here. This false teaching seems to be a mixture of things Jewish and Greek influences. Uh, it was errantly based upon the law. These false teachers considered themselves to be teachers of the law. Therefore, it was full of Old Testament myths and endless genealogies. 
that were wearisome. This teaching was being presented as gnosis, or if you remember gnosis, where we get the word Gnostic from, is a special kind of knowledge. We saw that in the Colossian heresy, that they were teaching this Jewish uh, Old Testament fables and myths that were wearisome and being presented as a special kind of knowledge that only these false teachers had. It was their personal revelation from God. It also appeared to have an appeal that such knowledge was only known by a small group of people. It was very exclusive. This is something we know that other Christians don't. And that's a very dangerous teaching when you have people that say, here's some special revelation that I have that nobody else has. Be very weary of that. That's why the church must use discernment. So this seemed to be that type of teaching that only these small, this small group of widows or these small people in this, this house group here would have that other people would not, and it would actually lead them away from the gospel. Uh, there's also a false asceticism. We talked about that in the Colossian heresy as well, the, the self-denial of putting human rules and regulations to tame the flesh. It denied the goodness of creation. Uh, Paul indicates uh, for the false teachers they, their love of controversies. They love to talk about controversies and battles over words, and especially their greed. They were very greedy. That's why Paul instructs uh, elders not to be lovers of money. So, you know, and very early on in chapter 1, we see some of these things play into place. So we get a little glimpse of what is being taught. Again, we don't get the, the full picture. Paul doesn't name it because Paul's not expecting really people 2,000 years to read this because the people in the church and Timothy knows what is being taught. So all in all, as we look at 1 Timothy, um, Paul's left Timothy with a very difficult assignment, a very big assignment for a young pastor, um, which seems not to have been altogether successful in light of the evidence of 2 Timothy. So we see what Paul says here in 1 Timothy. When we look at 2 Timothy, we'll see maybe what was the result of 1 Timothy. Uh, we see some of the words to Timothy are more poignant in 2 Timothy. Um, so as we're reading this, you might try to put yourself in Timothy's shoes as you read through this letter. Uh, you may think of you know, yourself as a young pastor leading a congregation where there are elders who are possibly older than you and have more influence than you because people are used to listening to Paul. They weren't used to listening to Timothy. So as they've been used to listening to Paul, you know, Paul had a lot of authority. Well, now Paul is gone. Now, young Timothy, Paul's son in the faith, is there. So you see the big task that Timothy has of rebuking or perhaps removing elders and then setting up the qualifications of the elders and um, you know, coming against some of these uh, you know, young widows or other people in the church that fall into this that were also teaching uh, other people as well, these false teachings, uh, and then setting the sound doctrine. All while Paul encourages Timothy... You yourself, it's very important how you live. It's very important how you conduct yourselves among people because that will speak to your character as opposed to the character 
of the false teachers. So again, uh, go over the notes, read some of these notes as you're going through and reading 1 Timothy. We'll come back next week and we'll look at the uh, walkthrough of 1 Timothy and, and see the scriptures where all this put in place. But go back, listen to this again. If you're listening to it on the website, uh, go back and read through this. Get a grasp of what Paul is trying to say in the overview. And then see if this letter doesn't make more sense as we put the whole of the letter together to receive from it. So again, there's lots of valuable stuff in this letter. Uh, it gives us a great insight uh, to the early church and how things operated there. And also gives us, um, gives us pause to consider uh, the leaders in our churches and how we are as leaders as well. So lots of great stuff in First Timothy. I think you'll really enjoy it and hopefully see it in a way uh, that you've never seen it before is looking at the letter as a whole. So again, we'll see you next session for a walkthrough through First Timothy. God bless you.